section twenty five of sikh religion volume five by max arthur mcauliffe this librivox recording is in the public domain life of guru gobind singh chapter twenty five the guru continued his retreat from the turks and proceeded on his litter from jatpur to dina on the way he met a sikh who presented him with a horse and saddle on arriving at dina the guru met shamira lakmira and takmal grandsons of jad rai who had rendered material assistance to guru har gobind in the battle of gurusar jad rai's family at first lived at kangar his grandsons had now left that village and gone to dina the guru represented to the young men that they incurred danger in entertaining him but they felt no apprehension and gave him hospitable treatment while there the guru gathered some fighting men to his standard during the guru's stay at dina he was visited by parm singh and dharm singh descendants of bhai rupa of whom mention has been made in the life of the sixth guru parm singh and dharm singh made the guru an offering of a horse and a dress the guru took special notice of shamira and gave him the horse and the dress which parm singh and dharm singh had presented him the guru told shamira that he should own land as far as he could course his steed shamira mentioned this in his household his maternal uncle laughed at the guru's promise and said that if the guru had been able to work miracles he would not now be a fugitive shamira was partially convinced by this argument and merely coursed his steed round his own village as the result of his want of faith he only remained in possession of the land within the circle he thus described the viceroy of sarhind heard that the guru was being entertained by shamira and his brothers in dina he wrote to shamira on the subject and ordered him under pain of his highest displeasure to arrest and surrender the guru shamira replied that he was only entertaining his priest as the viceroy himself or any one else might do the guru was merely visiting his sikhs and molesting no one while sending this reply shamira feared that the viceroy would send troops and arrest the guru so he sent a spy to obtain information of the viceroy's movements and proceedings the viceroy kept troops ready but did not send them immediately meanwhile the guru enlisted several men and prepared for his defence the guru's stay at dina appears to have been somewhat protracted for it was there he wrote his celebrated zafarnama or persian epistle to aurangzeb it begins as usual in such compositions with an invocation to god o thou perfect in miracles eternal beneficent bestower of grace maintenance salvation and mercy dispenser of bliss pardoner saviour remitter of sins dear to the heart king of kings bestower of excellence indicator of the way without colour and without equal lord who giveth heavenly bliss to him who hath no property no retinue no army and no comforts distinct from the world powerful whose light is everywhere diffused thou bestowest gifts as if thou wert present in person 
pure cherisher bestower of favours thou art merciful and provider of sustenance in every land thou art lord of every clime the greatest of the great perfect in beauty merciful master of knowledge support of the unhappy protector of the faith fountain of eloquence searcher of hearts author of revelation appreciator of wisdom lord of intelligence diviner of secrets omnipresent god thou knowest the affairs of the world thou resolvest its difficulties thou art its great organizer address to aurangzeb i have no faith in thine oath to which thou tookest the one god as witness i have not a particle of confidence in thee thy treasurer and thy ministers are all false he who putteth faith in thine oath on the koran is thereby a ruined man the insolent crow cannot touch him who hath fallen under the shadow of the puma he who taketh the protection of a powerful tiger cannot be approached by a goat a buffalo or a deer had i even secretly sworn on the volume of my choice faith to accept thy religion i should not have had to withdraw my infantry and cavalry from anandpur as to my defeat at chamkaur what could forty men do when a hundred thousand came on them unawares the oath-breakers attacked them abruptly with swords arrows and muskets i was constrained to engage in the combat and i fought to the utmost of my ability when an affair passeth beyond the region of diplomacy it is lawful to have recourse to the sword had i been able to repose confidence in thine oath on the koran i would not have abandoned my city had i not known that thou wert crafty and deceitful as a fox i would never on any account have come hither he who cometh to me and sweareth on the koran ought not to kill or imprison me thine army came clothed like blue bottles and all of a sudden charged with a loud shout every soldier of thine who advanced beyond his defences to attack my position fell deluged in blood thy troops who had committed no aggression received no injury at our hands when i saw that nahar khan entered the fight i quickly gave him the taste of my arrow many soldiers who came with him and boasted of their prowess ignominiously deserted the field of battle another afghan officer advanced like a rushing flood an arrow or a musket ball he made many assaults received many wounds and at last while in the act of killing two of my sikhs was killed himself Quaja mardud remained behind a wall and came not forth like a man had i but seen his face i would certainly have bestowed an error on him too at last many were killed on both sides by showers of arrows and bullets and the earth became red as a rose heads and legs lay in heaps as if the field were covered with balls and hockey sticks the whizzing of arrows the twanging of bows and a universal hubbub reached the sky men the bravest of the brave fought like madmen but how could forty even of the bravest succeed when opposed by a countless host when the lamp of day was veiled the queen of night came forth in all her splendour and god who protected me showed me the way to escape from mine enemies there was not a hair of my head touched nor did i in any way suffer did i not know that thou o faithless man wert a worshipper of wealth and perjurer thou keepest no faith and observest no religion thou knowest not god and believest not in mohammed he who hath regard for his religion never swerveth from his promise 
thou hast no idea of what an oath on the koran is and canst have no belief in divine providence wert thou to take a hundred oaths on the koran i would not even then trust thee in the slightest hadst thou any intention of keeping thine oath thou wouldst have girded up thy loins and come to me when thou didst swear by mohammed and call the word of god to witness it was incumbent on thee to observe that oath were the prophet himself present here i would make it my special object to inform him of thy treachery do what is incumbent on thee and adhere to thy written promise thou shouldst have cheerfully fulfilled it and also the verbal promises of thine envoy everybody ought to be a man of his word and not utter one thing while he meditateth another thou didst promise to abide by the words of thy kazi if thou hast spoken truly then come to me if thou desire to seal thy promise on the koran i will gladly send it to thee for the purpose if thou come to the village of kangar we shall have an interview thou shalt not run the slightest danger on the way for the whole tribe of barars are under me come to me that we may speak to each other and that i may utter kind words to thee i am a slave and servant of the king of kings and ready to obey his order with my life should his order reach me i will go to thee with all my heart if thou have any belief in god delay not in this matter it is thy duty to know god he never ordered thee to annoy others thou art seated on an emperor's throne yet how strange are thy justice thine attributes and thy regard for religion alas a hundred times alas for thy sovereignty strange strange is thy decree promises not meant to be fulfilled injure those who make them smite not any one mercilessly with the sword or a sword from on high shall smite thyself o man be not reckless fear god he cannot be flattered or praised the king of kings is without fear he is the true emperor of earth and heaven god is the master of both worlds he is the creator of all animals from the feeble ant to the powerful elephant he is the protector of the miserable and destroyer of the reckless his name is the support of the unhappy it is he who showeth man the way he ought to go thou art bound by thine oath on the koran bring the matter to a good issue according to thy promises it is incumbent on thee to act wisely and be discreet in all thine actions what though my four sons were killed i remain behind like a coiled snake what bravery is it to quench a few sparks of life thou art merely exciting a raging fire the more how well spoke the sweet-tongued ferdowsi haste is the devil's work i would have gone many times to thee had thy promise been kept when the bullocks were plundered as thou didst forget thy word on that day so will god forget thee god will grant thee the fruit of the evil deed thou didst design it is good to act according to thy religion and to know that god is dearer than life i do not deem thou knowest god since thou hast done acts of oppression wherefore the great god knoweth thee not and will not receive thee with all thy wealth hadst thou sworn a hundred times on the koran i would not have trusted thee in the slightest even for a moment i will not enter thy presence nor travel on the same road with thee but if god so will it i will proceed towards thee fortunate art thou aurangzeb king of kings expert swordsman and writer handsome is thy person and intelligent art thou emperor and ruler of the country thou art clever to administer thy kingdom and skilled to wield the sword thou art generous to thy co-religionists 
and prompt to crush thine enemies thou art the great dispenser of kingdoms and wealth thy generosity is profuse and in battle thou art firm as a mountain exalted is thy position thy loftiness is as that of the pleiades thou art king of kings and ornament of the thrones of the world thou art monarch of the world but far from thee is religion i wanted to kill the hillmen who were full of strife they worshipped idols and i was an idol-breaker behold the power of the good and pure god who by means of one man killed hundreds of thousands what can an enemy do when god the friend is kind his function it is as the great bestower to bestow he giveth deliverance and pointeth out the way to his creatures he teacheth the tongue to utter his praises in the hour of action he blindeth the enemy he rescueth the helpless and protecteth them from injury the merciful showeth mercy to him who acteth honestly god bestoweth peace on him who heartily performeth his service how can an enemy lead astray him with whom the guide of the way is well pleased should tens of thousands proceed against such a person the creator will be his guardian when thou lookest to thine army and wealth i look to god's praises thou art proud of thine empire while i am proud of the kingdom of the immortal god be not heedless this caravansary is only for a few days people leave it at all times behold the revolution which passeth over every denizen and house in this faithless world even though thou art strong annoy not the weak lay not the axe to thy kingdom when god is a friend what can an enemy do even though he multiply himself a hundred times if an enemy practise enmity a thousand times he cannot as long as god is a friend injure even a hair of one's head the guru sent the above to the emperor by daya singh and dharm singh who had survived the battle of chamkaur and escaped to dina with the guru they disguised themselves as mohammedan pilgrims and proceeded on their journey to the south of india on reaching dili they took shelter in the sikh temple and received the visits of several admiring sikhs next morning they set out for agra thence they crossed the river chambal and proceeded to ajain whence they crossed the narbada and travelled by burampur to aurangabad thence they proceeded to ahmad nagar where the emperor was encamped there daya singh and dharm singh met a sikh called jetha singh who told them it would be very difficult for them to obtain an audience of the emperor they said it did not matter and asked him to summon all the sikhs who were there to meet them and hear their story daya singh and dharm singh told the sikhs of their mission and read a letter specially addressed to them by the guru End of chapter 25